It's time for the Smart Money Questions Podcast with Matt Hausman. This is the show that provides you with a sound financial education and helps you avoid financial pitfalls. Make sure you are asking the right questions by listening to the Smart Money Questions Podcast. Hey everyone, what's happening? Matt Hausman here, Smart Money Questions Podcast. And today, I'm going to go over some situations that have happened over the course of the last four to five weeks in talking with people and clients. And I I think it will be valuable. In addition, talk about some information that has just recently been published by the IRS uh, with regards to what is going to be happening for 2023 on uh, the deductions, the increase in tax brackets, what have you. Just give you a little bit of info. On that. But before we do that, let's make sure we deal with the disclaimer. Please don't take any of the information or ideas or suggestions that I offer in today's show as direct advice for you. Please use it as information and education that you then can discuss with your advisor. Now, if you don't have an advisor or you would like for us to be your advisor, I'm more than happy to have that conversation with you. And it's real simple. All you have to do is go to www.speakwithmat.com. That's www.speakwithmat.com. And my online scheduler is right there. You can go right in. You can schedule a 15 or 30 minute phone conversation. And quite frankly, at the end of that first call, we're going to have a good idea. Does it make sense to have a second conversation. So again, very low key, go right into the online scheduler. You don't even have to get on the phone with anyone to schedule this. So again, speakwithmatt.com, www.speakwithmatt.com and schedule it there. So, all right, let's go ahead and get on to today's show. All right. So one of the things to understand is this just came out over the weekend and that is, or maybe a little bit before, but it's when I saw it. And That is that the IRS is releasing the new federal tax brackets and standard deductions for the 2023 tax year. Essentially, what's going to happen with regards to the tax deductions, both for filing single, uh, married, filing jointly, your standard deduction is going to increase by 7%, along with the marginal tax brackets are all going to be increased by by that same 7%. Now, there are 60 different provisions within the tax code. Most people won't be using all of that. That will fall in line with that same 7%. Others will not follow that. And that's where you would want to be talking with your tax professional with regards to are what adjustments should I be making, especially if I'm still working, if I'm self-employed, with what my withholdings are or what my quarterly taxes are going to be. This is where you want to do some projections and see how this increase can benefit you. But for one thing, like to look at uh, the standard deduction going from 2023 and where it is now. Currently, if you file single, it's $12,950. It's going to jump all the way to $13,850. If you are filing joint in the year 2022, your standard deduction is 25.9. Next year, that's going to jump to 27.7. So pretty significant increase. And then, of course, all of the marginal tax brackets are going to increase 
before you get into the next bracket. So, again, you know, that's I guess when you think about everything that's been happening this last year with regards to inflation, these are some of the things that uh, can, especially if your income is increasing, can really benefit you. Of course, a couple weeks ago, we heard that the Social Security COLA was going to be 8.7%. So, two significant years of increasing that COLA. So, Anyway, wanted to make sure that we got that out there. The other thing that has happened uh, with a couple different people in discussions over the course of the last month is the idea that while I am working, and I'll even use myself as an example, I am an aggressive investor. Many of you have heard the investable uh, accounts that I have, uh, Maggie and I have, is you know I'm anywhere from 85% stock uh, up to 90 with one account, and then the balance in uh, intermediate and short-term bond instruments. And one of the questions I had from someone thinking and investing kind of like the way I do is, as I'm approaching retirement, when should I start to consider to be conservative? And you know, there's so many different variables to think about there before uh, you can give just a straight answer. The reality is, and the discussions I had is, let's look at, first of all, when are you looking to retire? I do think that it's always valuable to make sure you have some money sitting off of the sidelines with regards to any type of risk as an emergency fund. And then the closer you get to retirement, my recommendation, and I'll, I can tell you when we get there, I'll be doing the same thing, and that is to pull a certain percentage I don't know, maybe 10, 20, 25% of that money, four to five years out, pulling it out of any type of risk element. And this really goes to all different types of investments. It's not just money in the stock market. Depending on other, what other assets you have, the, one of the people I was talking to, uh, they're very aggressively purchasing real estate. Well, and what are you looking to do with real estate? Are you going to flip it? Are you going to use it as rental income? You have to understand the risk associated there, especially if you're looking to flip because of the, the capital need that is there. And what's the market going to be when you flip it? Um, is it going to be there? You know, obviously the real estate market has been really good over the course of the last couple of years. But, you know, I, my recommendation would be is that even if you are an aggressive investor, start to pull some of that money off of the risk table three, four, five years away, because think about it, is that if you were going to retire this year on July 1st, and all of your money is invested very aggressively, are you still going to retire? But if I have money sitting off the table and I can weather the storm that is happening right now, then I don't have to delay my retirement, whether it's full retirement, whether it's going part-time, what have you. Of course, the other thing to look at is our income sources, that are not subject to risk, maybe a pension, you can look at social security, go back to the real estate, you know, with rental, if you go, if you've been doing it for a while, we have clients that have uh, been in the rental business for a long time, and we can go back and look at the history of their occupancy rates, and what the cash flow projections are, and associate a risk number there. And then, of course, expenses. And then that's how you can kind of gauge, in my recommendation, how much to pull off of uh, the risk element. So again, I heard someone say this the other day. The reality is, now for compliance, you know, past results don't eat your future success. But the reality is, what we have seen is that the market does recover. We just don't know 
when and how long we're going to be in a down market. So, but time doesn't stop. So if my retirement date was July 1st, I don't want to be hindered or delaying retirement just because I had all of my money invested and I could have been down 20, 25, 30% this year. So that's one of the discussions I had. The other one that has been coming up a lot lately is you guys hear me talk all the time about Roth, Roth, Roth. One of the questions came in from a client and it was, hey, listen, I now have a Roth option. Should I take advantage of that? And so, you know, nine times out of 10 or my usual immediate response is yes, I, period. Absolutely. Split your contributions. Let's say you're, you're doing 6% uh, in a contribution into your 401k, 3% to the pr- traditional side, 3% into the Roth side. But the other thing to keep in mind is, first of all, where is my income going to be when I retire? Let's do some projections. Does it make, how much do I need in a Roth, if any? And also, what are the, uh, the balances in my other qualified retirement accounts? You know, many times all, uh, all of someone's retirement investable dollars that they have been doing for years and years is in the traditional side. And so they have a large amount there. And also, that's the only bucket they can go to. So when it's time, let's say for big purchases, there's going to be a big tax bill. So having money in a Roth makes a lot of sense, but a lot of that is going to be depending on what that need is going to be or how much I should be contributing into the Roth when it comes time for retirement. Uh, The other thing to keep in mind is when speaking with your plan provider, 401k, 403b, and they're offering the Roth and they're also offering a match, you want to make sure that you understand and then you can uh, do your direction of where the monies go accordingly, is where do I make sure I max out on the match? Some plans, for instance, the plan we have here, it doesn't matter if you contribute to the traditional side or the Roth side, you're going to get the guaranteed match, and that's going to go into the pre-tax. But we do have some clients that when they've asked that question, they find out, oh, I have to put all of my contribution into the pre-tax side to get the match, and then everything else would go into the Roth. So the only thing that I want to make sure there is, let's say like we have one client, they're getting a healthy match, 6%, but all of their 6% has to go into the pre-tax, and then everything else would go into the Roth. And you definitely want to make sure that you're taking advantage of that match. So understanding how that works, if you have the Roth option, and by the way, always make sure you're asking this. Many times I sit down and I talk with people and we're, we're going over things and I say, hey, listen, I see you're still contributing to a 401k. It's all pre-tax. Do you know if you have the option of a Roth 401k? And usually the answer is no. I, I didn't even know I could ask that question. So again, it falls back onto the participant's responsibility to make sure that you understand what options are within the plan along with where the match and where my contributions have to go to get that. The other thing that's been coming up a lot lately, over the, this has really been over the course of the pandemic, so over two years now, is, hey, listen, I want to look to retire early. I want to look to retire at 60 or 61, but I know I, I look at a lot of other people around me and they're waiting until 65 or even 66 to retire. Is it a bad idea for me to look to retire now? The biggest thing I would tell you, and in speaking with people, this is such 
people are just unaware of what is going to happen with my health insurance, what is going to be the cost of my health insurance. Many of you have heard me talk about this before, but this is vital. If you are looking to retire before you're age 65 or Medicare eligibility, and you do not have retiree health benefits, it can be an eye-opening, not good experience to find out how expensive that health insurance is going to be in between that donut time of retiring, let's say at 61, and I have four years until Medicare eligibility. That's the first thing I talk with people about when they're talking about retiring before Medicare eligibility. Now, if you have retiree health benefits, then there's other factors that you look at. Again, income, expense needs, asset values, no longer working. You know, How is all of that going to play? But the biggest thing to look at first is health insurance. Because we've had people in the office that were unaware of that. They went out into the private market and they received it. And depending on how you structured and where your income is coming from, I've seen people hit get hit, especially if they're taking advantage of the Affordable Care Act, also known as Obamacare. I've seen them get hit when they file their taxes with a $15,000, dollars $25,000 tax bill because they were unaware of how their income was going to be relating to the premium that they had to pay. The other thing to keep in mind is depending on when you become Medicare eligible, for instance, let's say I become at 65 in July, but I've been on, you know, I've been on private health insurance for that first half of the year, and I've been getting subsidies or a reduction in my premium payment. For me to maintain that is my income has to stay where I told them it was going to be for the entire tax year. Otherwise, when I file my taxes, I potentially could have to pay back that six months of premium credit. So again, if you are looking to retire before Medicare eligibility, look and make sure you have a clear understanding on health insurance, what the cost is going to be, especially if you do not have retiree health benefits. And if you do have retiree health benefits, the other thing you want to be looking at there is, is the cost going to change when you are no longer an employee and now you are a retiree? How does that look before um, before Medicare eligibility? And if you're married and you're the one that has those retiree health benefits, God forbid something happens to you is your spouse still, before Medicare eligibility, is your spouse still eligible for that health insurance before they get to Medicare eligibility? Very, very important uh, to look at. The other thing, this doesn't come around often, but some of you might be able to take advantage of that. And we had uh, a client in the other day, and what's happening is in their 401k, the company match now, is not going into the investment decisions that they're what they made. It's actually coming in the form of company stock. And the reality was the person wasn't that thrilled on having all of the match in the company stock. But the one thing I would tell you is if you are in that position, there is a strategy that you might be able to take advantage of called an NUA, a net unrealized appreciation for when you go and take those monies out. It can be a very good tax savings. But 
you want to make sure and you want to speak with whoever the plan provider is, an administrator, is that company stock going to be available as an NUA in the future, as long as the NUA is still part of the tax code? And if not, and they're going to use that match as company stock, is there a restriction now on getting it out of the company stock and putting it into the different investment options that you, other options you have within the plan. But you definitely, I, my recommendation to this person was, hey, let's find out about the NUA. Let's also find out if there's any restrictions on moving that money around. Should the NUA not be available, but let's make sure we take advantage of that match. Again, uh, the match is, is free money, even in this form of company stock. But we had a client last year that really benefited, um, really benefited from taking advantage of an NUA situation within an old 401k plan that they had. So listen, everyone, that's all I've got for today. If you have a question or scenario that you would like for us to deal with, all you got to do is shoot it to us, info at smartmoneyquestions.com or go to smartmoneyquestions.com right there, ask Matt a question. If you have something specific that you would like to speak to me about personally, go to speakwithmat.com. Again, www.speakwithmat.com. My online calendar is there. Schedule a time to talk or come into the office. Uh, Be more than happy to do that. So listen, everyone, I hope this has been valuable. Everybody, take care. We'll talk soon.